welcome back to Crisis Management, Columbus Business First podcast on seeing your business through the coronavirus pandemic. I'm reporter Carrie Ghosh, and today's guest is Lorraine Lutton, who moved to Columbus and started as CEO of Mount Carmel Health System in early April, right as COVID-19 was causing havoc in the healthcare industry and many other businesses. Lutton was most recently CEO of Roper St. Francis Healthcare in Charleston, South Carolina, which last year became majority owned by Cincinnati's Bon Secure Mercy Health. She's taking over Mount Carmel, which is a hospital system that had a devastating 2019. That included a financial loss, construction-related Legionnaires outbreaks, and the fallout from the deaths of patients who are under the care of a since-fired doctor who himself is defending against homicide charges. The pandemic added an external worldwide catastrophe to the healing process from the internal crisis. Lutton considers herself a change agent throughout her career devoted to improving safety and quality of care. She said Mount Carmel's challenges were what attracted her to the job, and she commended the existing leadership for how well they had righted the ship before she came on board. We talk about all that and more. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for agreeing to do this. Uh, Welcome to Business First. Welcome to Columbus. Thank you. Um, So (laughs) between March 9th, when they announced you, and April 6th, when you started, uh, is it fair to say that there's no other job in history where the world changed so much between accepting (laughs) and starting? I don't know about history, but certainly for me, uh, it was unexpected, obviously for everyone in the country and the world. I did keep in touch a little bit with the team prior to my start and um, they had set up incident command and they had the actual clinical and operational management of the pandemic under control. They did a great job. As you knew, you were coming into an organization that was recovering from a devastating year and you were chosen to lead that rebuilding. So how it all did adding a global catastrophe on top of that change your approach to how you're going to manage both an internal and an external crisis or did it not change your, what your job one was at all? It certainly didn't change job one. Job one is always about safety and how do we ensure that our patients and our staff are safe and well taken care of. And so that that will be continue to be job one. And I think the pandemic response was actually an opportunity to demonstrate that. You know, we we partnered with other community organizations. We were quick to respond and put in place appropriate safety measures. I think actually it helped us pull together as a team to understand that we can do remarkable things in in remarkable times and how do we build on that actually to um, ensure we are providing high quality, safe processes across the organization. Obviously through Bon Secure Mercy Health, which is based in Cincinnati, you are familiar with Ohio and you're familiar with Catholic systems, but how much before getting this job were you familiar with Mount Carmel? itself and um, how did you I, find out about the job did they recruit yeah. you or did you apply no they recruited me starting actually the recruiter that they had used started talking to me actually back in october november not november i think of 2019 
I was at Represent Francis Healthcare, which is a great organization in Charleston, and had completed a financial turnaround of that health system while maintaining high patient satisfaction scores and great clinical outcomes. And having put that challenge sort of behind me, I was kind of looking for the next big opportunity, and the recruiter was very persistent. Were you familiar with Mount Carmel before that? Only in some of the clipping services when, you know, something goes well or something doesn't go well, you know, there's little headlines that go across the country to health leaders. So I had had been familiar with um, some of the challenges that had occurred over the last 18 months, but only peripherally, not, not directly. So you mentioned the financial turnaround and also you opened a hospital down uh, in Charleston, increased market share. So do you view yourself as a change agent? Is that been your career path? It has been. Actually, my career path has all been about quality. I, my first job in healthcare was as a quality service analyst, and I think of quality as working with a team of people to change processes to improve the patient experience, clinical outcomes, and cost effectiveness. So I think of that, I've always been that, focused on a change agent for quality, which is improving service outcome and cost for the patient, and have been able to do that with progressively more responsibility in my career. Being familiar with the challenges that were happening, was that a negative for you or was that an opportunity, something that attracted you? It was an opportunity that attracted me. I think in healthcare and in life, all of us want to make a difference. And I feel like this was an incredible opportunity to contribute to a team and make a difference for the Mount Carmel Health System and the patients that we serve. Again, given my background in quality and then having had a, a successful turnaround, I felt like it was a great opportunity to make a difference. And did you feel like coming in that a lot of the, in, you know, the major crises moments of the internal challenges, you know, the safety things in the, in the, the pharmacy systems, uh, the safety with the construction issues leading to the legionnaires, did you feel like that part was well in hand? Or are there more things you have to do to address those issues? Or is your job mainly going forward and rebuilding trust and reputation in the community? My job is really um, rebuilding trust and moving forward, moving the organization forward. I will say that even as part of the interview process, I was confident that the team had responded well, had put in place steps to ensure safety of, of patients that we serve, and really had changed processes pretty significantly uh, in, a, in a positive way. So being able to put that immediate involvement behind and really focusing on the organization moving forward is, is really my priority. Speaking of moving forward now that things are recovering, you're able to do procedures again, how is the recovery going within the system? Um, are volumes coming back? Are you able to call some of your employees back from furlough? What will that look like in the coming months? Um, yes, our volumes um, right now are coming back. Our, our visit volumes, physician visits, are off about 5% from what they were before COVID. Our emergency department visits are down, though, about 25%. Our admissions are down about 12 or 13%. So we are anticipating a slower ramp up of volumes to being before where they were before COVID. Having said that, we were we were working on a plan to improve our financial performance even before COVID. So 
we um, are looking at how do we redesign our processes, how do we evaluate what services we should offer where. We're looking comprehensively at the organization to see how we can be more sustainable for the future. Um, that's one of the things I took on as sort of a, a, a duty to maintain this legacy and ensure that we're able to sustain our mission and ministry in this community for the long term, uh, which requires us to change some things, to do it more effectively, more efficiently, and again, with the highest priority being patient safety. So I'm inserting a question that I didn't have here because you intrigued me there. So what are some of the elements of that financial turnaround plan and redesigning? Do you have specific expense areas in mind or restructuring you know, the shape of the restructuring already in place? Uh, not at this point. We have some of it in place. We have decreased the size of administration, for example, trying to look at how we can reduce overhead and preserve resources for the clinical teams who are taking direct care of patients. We're trying to work as a system of care instead of individual hospitals. So we are looking at all of our expenses, our supplies expenses. Do we use consultants? One of the things we're looking at is how can we, again, be more uh, efficient? Can someone who's drawing your blood also help answer phones? How do we cross-train people to do more things together uh, across our ministry? So to go back to your question, we, we did furlough a, a large number of colleagues and are bringing them back, but there may be, um, there, there likely will be some that will not be coming back. Uh, there were also several construction projects that had to be put on hold and that that was just uh, expressed to us kind of broadly. So I'm wondering about the impacts on some of your major projects. So Mount Carmel East was supposed to be completed, you know, with this uh, five-year expansion was supposed to be completed this spring and also a Reynoldsburg uh, standalone emergency department and the redevelopment of West. So how are those projects being affected or is West all in the hands of Thrive Companies by now? No, no, um, those, so the Mount Carmel East project has been completed and it's beautiful. We are thrilled with that work and excited to offer um, uh, just a beautiful new facility with private rooms and expanded capacity for the community and that's going very well. The Reynoldsburg freestanding emergency department is also underway and will open in the third to fourth quarter of calendar year 2020. And the Mount Carmel West, the Franklinton campus redevelopment is, is, is uh, continuing. I think we need to continue to look at how do we uh, invest in that part of the community as we are looking at all of our portfolio and real estate and what else we need to do. So those projects are all moving forward. What things are affected? Well, we are revisiting our strategic plan. One of the exciting things about COVID, if there is a silver lining, is the transformation of how we engage with patients through technology. And so how do we invest in more digital opportunities to connect with patients, less investment in bricks and mortar, uh, which is expensive and you know not as very, you know, you can't you know, you have a five-year lease, you have a five-year lease. If, if the volumes change and you need to kind of be more fluid in your response to uh, the needs of the market or the needs of the patients, it's harder to do. So we are looking at technology and uh, continuing to invest there. Looking at the larger moment today, Moncarmo has always been the system that's been about population health and systems of change and you know, has things like the uh, mobile clinic for the homeless 
obviously everything that's going on in Franklinton and health education. So both from a you know, wellness writ large and also just addressing social determinants. And as you know, all these uh, uh, municipalities and maybe even the state looks to declaring racism a public health crisis, how do you think the system can insert itself in that response? Couple questions. I think I heard. Um, first <laughs> is we. Uh, one of the things that attracted me to the Mount Carmel Health System is our commitment to um, social determinants of health. Our community health and well-being programs are phenomenal. Treat medicine program. The commitment to the poor has been phenomenal, and I think that's consistent with how I want to contribute. And 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 um, an organizational values are consistent with mine. The other exciting thing that brought me here is that we have medical, which is a Medicare Advantage plan, which allows us to, again, manage the clinical and financial risk of the patients in a way that we can get creative. We can do things to keep patients out of the emergency department. So that commitment to holistic care for the patient is very attractive to me and also one of the reasons I came. Pivoting towards this moment in history, I guess it was three weeks ago, that living downtown right in the middle of right next to the state um, house so it's been sort of a front row view of the angst and turmoil facing our country and it's been uh, inspiring and eye-opening and has caused me like hopefully all of us a moment of introspection into our own journeys and our own experience with race and so Mount Carmel is no exception. We are looking at how we have contributed to health equity or health inequity and what we can do to, to be better. Uh, we have a diversity and inclusion team, uh, a leader who is working with a team of colleagues who is helping us navigate that. We have wonderful directors of mission um, based on being our, our Catholic identity and helping us evaluate what we've done historically and what we need to be doing in the future. And so I'm relying on a team of people to help guide us as we are looking to do different things at Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel's alone in Trinity Health with having that Medicare Advantage plan. And I think it might be the only one with its own nursing college. And, you know, obviously those each have their own heads, but um, what kind of opportunities does that present you as, you know, as a health system chief to kind of leverage all those different aspects of healthcare all under one roof. I think it's exciting. The, the Medigold plan is actually expanding into Idaho. Yeah, so we actually are trying to grow it across Trinity Health, thinking that um, we're trying to diversify our portfolio and think about how we can get creative about managing financial and clinical risk for patients. And I think so furthering that investment in, in, in across geographic areas, as well as just expanding it here in the Columbus market is important to us. And it does allow us to get creative in, in how we partner with patients. The College of Nursing, I think, is phenomenal. And we are looking at ways across Trinity to better integrate opportunities for nursing and where nursing is going with the College of Nursing and their curriculum. I am so proud of that college. One of the things I didn't know, and I would um, encourage you to think about your listeners or, or readers, is if someone was furloughed during the pandemic or in a career that they felt was not very rewarding and they have a bachelor's degree, they can go to the College of Nursing and in 13 months become a nurse. Wow. If someone felt so called based on the um, inspirational stories of the frontline heroes to become a nurse, we can help them do that very efficiently. 
the college had a chance to expand with the uh, reshaping of the West Campus. So are you expecting enrollment to, to go up or is it already? I don't know. They're currently going through an enrollment period, so I don't know the current state, but we are hoping enrollment growth goes up. The other interesting thing is, you know, what we can offer online has dramatically changed. Just like other schools, the, the academic um, leaders and the faculty flipped on a dime and, and moved virtual care and virtual, sorry, virtual education, and they've done a phenomenal job with that. So we do see that as an opportunity to grow. One of the things that our health system needs is more critical care nurses. So we're looking at how do we partner with the college to ensure we can take anyone who wants to become a critical care nurse through a, a curriculum that allows them to do that safely and, and effectively. I want to go back to what you said about medical. Now, are those in partnership with Trinity Systems there? Yes, they are. And is this we a have pilot for... Trinity chose kind of smaller systems that you can pilot. Can you run this from Columbus and then you might be showing up in other states? Yes, so the um, medical has been so successful and the, the quality scores, I don't know if you follow this, is four and a half stars from Medicare for our HMO product. And so the Medicare rates, Medicare Advantage plans and we're four and a half stars out of five. And so the quality is phenomenal. and offering, uh, partnering with other Trinity Health Ministries is again a great opportunity to expand population health and taking on that financial and clinical risk for patients so that health systems can be part of the solution in transforming how we provide care. So I think it's exciting. We actually are um, looking at other states to grow into. Before I came, the team had looked at a number of different criteria for what would make it successful. And part of it is, of course, strong partnerships with, this, with primary care physicians. Do they have a clinically integrated network? Are they able to manage care in an appropriate way? And so those criteria were used to prioritize which health ministries we expand medical to. And with those kind of uh, care coordination and the expansion now, uh, the kind of forced expansion of telehealth through COVID, uh, and you mentioned, you know, technology investments will increase going forward. What are some of the changes coming out of this time that you think will permanently change how you deliver care? I think um, the opportunity to take care of patients in their home will continue to grow. We have a wonderful home health program here. We're, we are piloting a hospital at home model where patients who meet certain criteria, we can send the nurse to the, the patient's home. We can uh, monitor them through you know, peripheral devices that they have. We can use telemedicine to have the physician assess them. How do we take that and uh, really grow that more dramatically than what we've done in the past and rely more on the care that we provide rather than the bricks and mortar in a physical site. I think that's going to, um, again, help us transform healthcare because people don't really want to come to the hospital. You know, there's, there's angst, I think, even right now, even we are, we are safe. We have taken all the steps to um, ensure safety and, and separating COVID from non-COVID patients, et cetera. But there's still an angst about coming to a site that if you could get care in your home, you know, that might be, preferable. What is the next step, the way forward for coming out of this crisis? Because obviously COVID hasn't gone away. Yeah, we're trying to sort of operationalize the separate processes and 
ensure that we are keeping uh, our patients and our colleagues safe. So we've taken the steps that everyone has done. We are um, screening everyone. We have uh, restricted visitation to one visitor per patient for the entire course of care. Um, we have, you know, again, taken all the steps that others are taking, separate entrances, um, significantly strengthened cleaning protocols, taking all those steps that others have taken. I think that we're not sure if there'll be a second wave and some people are saying don't even use that term because we're still sort of in this plateau of where, what our current experience is. I commend um, the leadership of Ohio for um, taking steps early and, and aggressively addressing this, which has enabled the health systems to have time to build up our capabilities, both our resources, our clinical resources and uh, understanding of the disease, but also in uh, protective equipment and ventilators, et cetera, so that we can respond if there is a, a, a surge. We get cumulative data from the state and you know new cases per day, et cetera, but not necessarily the distribution. So what is COVID looking like in your hospitals right now? Um, actually, right now it's plateaued. I would say at our peak, we probably had a slightly over 100 cases at any given time, and now we're down in the mid-40s, I believe. I haven't looked at today's numbers. Admissions are kind of, our new admissions, new hospitalizations is something we've been tracking every day, and I think we're now sort of between the 6 to 10 number every day. One day it might be 10, and then the next day it might be 7. So, so somewhere in that range, but we have definitely plateaued and have the resources to take care of the current patients as well as the non-COVID patients that are coming back and seeking care. Do you direct them to a single facility, say East, or are they pretty evenly distributed among the, the three acute care sites? They're representatively distributed. So in terms of the volume of non-COVID patients, um, we did not want to direct them to specific sites. I think it's too, we didn't want to have an incorrect assumption that that something was, you know, COVID or non-COVID. We have um, within each facility designated areas that are COVID and non-COVID. So managing through that crisis and reassuring the public about the safety uh, amid the pandemic to come to your facilities, then you have to get back to the earlier problems. And so how are you introducing yourself to the community and how are you managing to just really, you know, revive this 140-year-old institution? It has been an interesting time to be introduced to the Columbus community. I am, I have a wonderful board, local board, that has introduced me to some of the business community. I am impressed with the Columbus Partnership who reached out, I think, my first week to extend a warm welcome and to help under, help me understand sort of um, the business community. So I look forward to being able to actually meet people in person that have not been able to do that. Uh, I think beyond the business community in, in trying to listen to what the community needs Mount Carmel to be, talking with our internal constituents, all of the physicians and the caregivers, and we've had some online town hall forums where people can ask questions through chat. And I'm just trying to, again, listening really hard to, to what the needs are and the opportunities are for Mount Carmel. I have not yet had the opportunity to get out and really talk to some of the um, health-related public health entities um, and other organizations that are also working towards improving the health of our community. I've certainly met with um, the Ohio Hospital Association, the Central Ohio Trauma Group, 
the areas that we're working together as health systems across the, the greater central Ohio community. Uh, I've had a lot of conversations with them that really need to get out more in terms of uh, understanding how we can work together to strengthen our community. There's always been very strong competition in this market. You're coming in at a time of unprecedented collaboration where everyone's really, they, the, the four Columbus systems have worked together on population health issues. And obviously, you, you know, the, the trauma and the psychiatric distribution of patients but there always was still that underlying you know market share push pull and now all four systems have new leaders two of you new to columbus as well have you met your compatriots and what what do you see as the opportunity to change the relationships between the systems or do you go back to you know market share we have met um, virtually. I've not um, yet had an in-person meeting uh, with uh, my counterparts, but I do think that that spirit of collaboration and collegiality that, that formed through managing COVID should continue. We are all assets of this community, and how do we work together um, differently to take care of patients in our community? That doesn't mean we can ignore the realities of finances. Um, we have to figure out ways to be sustainable in order to continue our good work. So I think we'll continue to do uh, a lot of collaborative work together. Uh, and I don't think it's going to be sort of just one partner. I think the relationships will be um, different, but I think that we'll be working, you know, Mount Carmel is committed to working with partners to make sure that we are sustainable, but also that we're doing the right thing for this community. And you've been with large organizations through a, a large part of your career. So how do you, and, and you mentioned both of Menegold and the nursing college that Trinity is really looking, it sounds like they're really looking to Mount Carmel as a resource, as kind of a, 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 a test lab almost for an entire nationwide system. So how are you finding Mount Carmel's place within the larger Trinity culture? And how do you see the relationship between, you know, this larger organization and still remaining a local system. Yeah, I, um, I have thus far found the relationship very supportive. I think that the Trinity Health System wants Mount Carmel to be as successful as possible and vice versa. You know, we are the same organization. So I found that sometimes at Trinity, it's, they're sort of herding cats, you know, they have to try to pull us all together and, and, um, and, and we're still trying to make sure we're discerning what decisions made there, what decisions made locally, how do we make sure we're operating as one entity and yet being as responsive in a timely way to the local needs of the community. And so um, it's been great though, so far so good. Every suggestion I've had, every opportunity that I've discussed with my Trinity colleagues has been supported. So with two months in and, and basically flying at 100 miles an hour dealing with all this, what would you say is the main thing you'd want to change uh, of what you've found here? Uh, I think a couple of things. I think I want to have make sure, I want to continue to strengthen our culture of quality and safety. And that's, uh, you know, I think that's something that is natural for me based on my history and quality and what, what I'm very committed to doing. I also want to go back to sort of a bias of action. You know, Sister Marion Dillon, who's at the Trinity office, um, uses a term, lead with the light you have. Even if it's foggy and dark, you know, we have to, to make decisions and move forward and lead with the light we have. 
I get the feeling that we've been a little bit um, cautious about taking steps. We've been a little bit more passive, partly because of what I think Mount Carmel's been through, partly because we've had a lot of leadership change over the last couple of years. And I think we need to have more of a bias of action. We need to try things and improve them. You know, try, try something and improve it. Try something and improve it. It's sort of a flywheel cycle of, of getting better faster. How significant is it to you that you're the first uh, woman to lead the system since the 1980s, since the sisters uh, gave it up, and the, the first in central Ohio, well, in Franklin County, there have been women CEOs of uh, outlying uh, county hospitals. Overall, in general, in this region, of all our public companies, there would be only one woman CEO. So now there's you and uh, the new president of OSU. Um, it's uh, like tripling our women CEOs. <laughs> How significant does that feel to you, to you as a, a leader? Um, it, it, I've always been a female leader, so it doesn't really feel significant to me. <laughs> I do think it's ironic that actually all of our hospital pres presidents right now are women. So Uni Kim is a president of Mount Carmel East, and Diane Doucette at, at New Albany and, and St. Anne's, and then Tawana McDonald at uh, Grove City. So that's a little unusual to have that many female leaders represented in our executive team. But I'm looking for the best people, and always will, and trying to make sure that we are representative of the community that we serve. Healthcare, you know, is probably 80% female-dominated anyway. So it's unusual that the executive ranks have not always represented that. I'm excited. I can look forward to working with um, female and male colleagues across the community as we're also looking at racial diversity and minority inclusion. Are we doing the right things to pull people up to make sure that we're representing the community we serve? And that's something that um, male and female, we're, we're all committed to looking at more seriously. Is there anything I've forgotten to touch on? No, I can tell you about my family. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm actually originally from Huntington, West Virginia. So living oh. in the Midwest is not that unusual for me. A great husband will be married 30 years uh, come October. Um, and I have three wonderful children, uh, two girls and a son. My, my daughters live and work in Washington, D.C. And my son just finished his third year at the University of Florida. And they're currently, my, my husband and my son are currently actually um, up at a small lake cottage that they have up in Michigan. So they're quarantining up there. I like to read, been working on exercise uh, through this pandemic. Mm -hmm. I have a New Year's resolution to run 500 miles. So wow. it's not that many, it's 1.4 a day. <laughs> but for real runners, that's nothing. But for me, it's, you know, jogging three or four times a week. And I'm living downtown, which has been um, a great place to, to be. Okay, I was going to ask which community you're wanting to settle in. Or is this like a, a transition while you're house hunting? Well, we're currently renting downtown. Um, and since we don't have children living with us, we are empty nesters. We, we don't really need to look at school systems and, and big yards. And um, so we'll probably stay in an area where we can walk and ride our bikes to restaurants and, and uh, things to do but don't yet have a specific community in mind. In fact, I'm going around with a realtor tonight. So I'm trying to, to do some homework. Where do you like to run? I run around the, um, the beautiful river park, the Southern Isle and, and that area, or around just downtown. I'll run to German Village. I'll run around Goodell Park, just 
it, there's lots of places to go and and uh, and it's like right between a three and a four mile run. There's a lot of opportunities in my in where I am today. Yeah, how hard is it to explore your new surroundings when you can't, can't go outside or go into anything? Well, it is uh, the going into anything. Having all the restaurants closed, especially downtown, has been interesting. And as they've started to come back up, it's it's been helpful. I look forward to uh, exploring more of the city when we can. Again, welcome and thank you so much for agreeing to this. And I hope everyone there stays safe. Okay, well, thank you. I look forward to, to continuing conversation as well. Nice to meet you.